HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meet and 3, we're celebrating Mardi Gras with an ode to the king cake, the most delicious custom of carnival season. This is kind of like terrible comparison, but it's kind of like a braided New Orleans babka, if you really think about the actual technique of it. Do you know why they put a baby in the cake yet? You'd better be careful where you get that cake because your friends and coworkers in New Orleans are going to have an opinion about it. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm fucking great, man. How are you doing? I'm, I'm well. I know you're fresh off a bus from D.C. I am. Well, I am. Welcome back to the... To, to, Civilization. Thank you, man. Th- yes, to civilization, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's anytime I leave this city, I'm like, what? I can't get a hot sandwich at three o'clock in the morning on any street corner ever. What is this? What is this? The 1800s? Come on, man. Yeah. Um, but it was a great time. I was down there uh, tapping into the awesome pool of actors that I know and love working with uh, to do a new episode of Bar None that's going to be dropping this Sunday. Awesome. Uh, it's about the Hemingway Daiquiri. So I have a guy. Uh, who is playing Constante, who is Hemingway's bartender who invented the Hemingway daiquiri. And of course I had a guy playing Hemingway himself who was just always such a, he's a delight to direct because very rarely in, I think any profession, do you get to be at work and go to someone and be like, can we try that take again? But I really want to hear how badly you want to fuck the sea. Like just get me a lot of lust for the ocean and the manliness of that. Uh, it was a fun recording session. I mean, your um, show is great. I love. You know, I talk about it all the time. I do love the show, and I'm really. Stu- there's lots of information to mine from the Hemingway Decker, so I'm sure it's going to be a great episode. It's. It was. It was fun. Um, it actually required some discipline from me as a writer, because if, as you know, as a listener of the show, like I like to pull in elements from everywhere, and this one I had to kind of focus on, like just these two guys and their contributions and how their personalities help shape this drink into what it is. I was like, I had to keep reminding myself I was working on it. Like, don't talk, don't, don't talk about us Cuba relations. Like, don't talk about any of that. Just these two. It's a simple story. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Right on. I look Um, forward to hearing it. It's going to drop this Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. Bar none podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Indeed. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Also got a chance to go to one of my favorite and one of your favorite spots in DC. Oh yeah. Uh, Showtime. Showtime. Showtime on Rhode Island and first. And if you are ever in the nation's capital on a Sunday, go to that bar because their house band granny and the boys plays every week. It is fronted by an 86 year old woman who absolutely murders it on the keys and her 66 year old boyfriend and all of his friends are the backing band. And it is, it's a delight. It is great. It brings out everybody it's an awesome time. Uh, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I've never been on a Sunday, but I, I, I also never miss that bar when I go to D.C. Derek, my friend Derek Brown of the Columbia Room down there, he and I go to that bar every time I'm in D.C. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely worth it. It's one Cash of my... Cash only, divey, but respectable. 
Yeah, like a like a like a real dive, not like a bar where like you feel that someone they they employ someone to come in and make it like just a little bit grimy, so it has that dive bar aesthetic. Like it feels like real, you know, the people that are there like buy into the fact that like yeah, it's not perfect, but yeah, but we like it and we're here to help you have a good time. Yeah. Speaking of Sundays, you you oh, uh, you got followed on Sunday, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, not so covertly either. Um, <laughs> I am being profiled for the New York Times. Um, they're doing a an article called I think it's called Routine. Uh, it's either in the style section on Thursday or Sunday. I don't know when it comes out. Um, but yeah, got followed around on my average Sunday, quote unquote average. <laughs> um, went to a couple of bars, saw a couple friends. Obviously, went to Goto. That's what I call church every week. Um, you know, seeded the pot, told people to meet me at each place and got some, hopefully some nice looking photos for the New York Times. Is there, is there a temptation when you know that's going to happen to like curate the best day ever for yourself to just be like, oh yes, come with me to my, to my, you know, weekly so, falconry lesson that yeah. I do every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we're going to go ride horses on a yacht. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, that there, there was that temptation, but you can't do it. Right. Because the interview was months ago. And they ask, like, what do you typically do on a Sunday? And then they say, okay, now we're going to send a photographer. Ah, so they, so they fact check you on this. Yeah. Well, it's the Times. <laughs> That's a serious paper. You know? It's true. <laughs> it's the gray lady. Um, well, you just got back into town, and then we got some friends in the studio that are in town as well. Uh, Laura Newman and Larry Mudtanley from uh, Birmingham, Alabama, owners and operators at Queens Park and soon-to-be Neon Moon. Is that mm. right? That's right. Yeah, Outstanding. Hi, Welcome back, Laura. Um, so let's talk briefly about um, Queens Park. And what it's done, because it just turned a year old in January, right? It sure did. Um, you started as, like I like to say, you really miracled, right? Everybody that listens to the show, I think, is pretty familiar with what miracle is. But if you talk about that just a little bit and talk about how you started your bar and what your bar is all about in Birmingham. Yeah, so we uh, we had planned on opening, as every bar does, about six months prior to when we actually <laughs> opened. Uh, we, uh, six. We had some, uh, you know, we had some curveballs that come with opening a ball and you know, opening a bar in a small market, and we kind of got there right about October before we got to the point where we knew permitting was going to get approved, and we'd already signed up for Miracle almost an entire year and a half before, paid our initial down payment, all that kind of fun stuff, and we're like, I guess we're just going to do this, and so we hopped in and we opened Queens Park as Miracle, and. We were the first Christmas-style pop-up in the state of Alabama, and we did that for about a month and a half, and learned everything we ever needed to know about the flaws in our systems, <laughs> and really, uh, you know, just like really put ourselves through a stress, stress test with all of our uh, all of our employees, and we learned a lot about ourselves and a lot about what our bar was going to be, and kind of uh, got a good start. And so we I'm took a week off, and we took down everything. All the uh, well, let's let's pause and keep talking about miracle before we talk, talk about tearing it down. <clears throat> miracle is the pop up franchised um, uh, holiday themed bar from Cocktail Kingdom, Greg Bohm, etc. Right, right. So this means that you were guys were, were decorating the place outlandishly for Christmas slash Hanukkah slash Kwanzaa slash all the holidays that happened in that period. It starts from Thanksgiving till New Year's. Yeah. So yeah, talk about that a little bit, and then we'll move into Queens Park. I mean, I think the kind of the overarching theme of Miracle is just over the top. Everything's over the top. The menu's over the top. The drinks, if you've seen them, they come in custom crazy mugs. Like one's a T-Rex with a Santa hat. The drinks have, it'll be like mulled wine puree, like Santa's tears solution. Like it just crazy stuff. (laughs) And you want the decor to match that. And there's a lot of hype. They have like an an awesome PR company that gets people psyched about it locally and nationally and internationally because a lot of international bars take place as well, take part as well. And... So yeah, we, it's you know it's really fun to go to Target and buy out the entire Christmas decor section and be like, all right, you guys got more in the back because like I'm ready, let's do this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people are all always of it, like, please. people are like, oh wow, this is so cute, like, haha, like some like people don't, I don't think like understand it. And also, you do it in a day. We made the grave error of doing a friends and family as regular Queens Park and then closing for a day and then being Miracle. And so instead of being like, oh, we're opening into Miracle, so we can we can spend a month decorating, we did not do that. Never recommend that ever to anyone. But we had yeah, to... What drove that decision? Why did you say to yourself, let's have a regular friends and family when we know that tomorrow we're going to be this Major thing. sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. The decisions are made poorly without sleep. Yes. So we uh, decorated... Put up about last year, we had about five grand worth of decor, and we put it up in 24 hours. Holy smokes! Wow, just you and the team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we didn't hire anyone. And then it's all about 
humongous batches and crazy recipes and well we're based in alabama so it would never be about humongous batches oh right correct all right correction no batches um but the drinks are insane and the people are coming, right? Like, the, oh, there's a line around the block. We our first year from doing day it, one, right? Yeah, from like minute one, <laughs> minute t minus ten. But uh, <laughs> but the uh, it's just it's really out of control. In our first year, we did seated only because we had just opened and it was a brand new space and a brand new team that had never worked together. So we were like, you know, there's gonna be a lot of demand. We'll do seated only. And there were lines literally around the block. And then this year, we were like, all right, we're just going to open the floodgates. Like, we can handle this. The bar can be, like, five deep on a Friday during normal Queen's Parks. We can handle this during Miracle. And I remember Mud being like, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. We're not going to have a line. Just don't be demoralized by that. There was still a line. We wow. still had to hold the door. Was it was it more the second time around? Had you guys become like a pilgrimage site? Because you yes. mentioned you were the you were you were the first. Are you still the only Miracle pop-up in the state of Alabama? You used to have even Christmas pop-up of any kind, right? Yeah, well, yeah, there's there's one place down in Mobile that's a a year-round Christmas bar, but it's mm. it's not like we are at all. Like obviously, it's just a it's a very cool place, and you know it's way more of a dive bar. Whereas we're putting out you know crazy glassware and crazy decorations and stuff. Yeah, kind of like it sounds like the other spot is sort of like a Snake and Jake's type of thing. Whereas it's not. It's like everybody loves Christmas lights, but that's more goes into miracle than that. Oh yeah, for sure. And we're getting miracled, I guess, as you said, it's a verb. Yeah. It's a verb now. Hanging the presents so, yeah. from the ceiling. Yeah. And the... <laughs> well, like you know, when you I know you guys have both opened uh, bars and restaurants before. So the first day, we're all hyped up, and everybody's like, we've already had some coffee, and we had some finishings we had to finish, like right there at the uh, at the deadline of opening at four o'clock that day. I remember the person who was being our host at the time, who's actually moved up and moved into a manager role with us, she was like, oh my gosh, guys, there's there's people outside waiting. This is so cool. And she just opens the door, checks IDs, and just sends people in. And Laura <laughs> had something she had to do in the back, and I'm still setting candles on the bar. And I turn around, and the entire bar is full, like 55, 60 people. And I was just like, hey, uh, you should go get Laura right now. We've all had dreams where that happens. Yeah, well, yeah nightmares. Those yeah, are dreams, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, like, like control the door a little, trickle them in at first, yeah. Like, but day one, right, you, it's trial by fire. Like you oh, said, yeah. like it's, you, it's sink or swim. But this turned out to be amazing for you, right? Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, we 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 didn't exp- we we always do projections uh, because I'm a, I'm a huge numbers guy, and we had all these projections of what we thought we were going to do in year two, and we were kind of worried because we the newness had kind of wore, wore off, and we were really worried we that we projected a ten percent increase in sales, and we staffed accordingly. And we we yeah, hit about a two hundred and seven. That's how wrong were you? Two hundred and seven. So you're hundred and ninety seven off. You know what's what is that Real margin of error? Yeah, yeah, that's a reasonable margin of error. Um, so this means that you cracked off as this wildly popular thing. I my, I guess my question is then when day one of Queens Park arrived, so you took a week break, and day one of Queens Park arrived, did people come in and like were they like this ain't this ain't the same? You know, we so a lot of people <laughs> was it were really, confusing to the guest. I guess I'm asking. Com, that confusion's like the the lightest way to put it. So a lot of people <laughs> thought we were just going to close down. Like we had spent all this money and built this like beautiful like marble bar top and all this like exquisite woodwork and stuff, and we were just going to shut it back down until Christmas of next year. So it took us a little bit to really let people know who we were. Like we staffed ourselves the same way we did through Miracle because we had never, besides our friends and family, which is obviously still a very busy shift, we had never seen what Queen's Park was going to look like. So we had a host and a door person and two bartenders and two servers and a bar back. And in the first 10 minutes, we were like, man, nobody's walked in yet. This is really weird. Um, <laughs> we were just like so worried, but then we really, really started thinking about it. And I was like, "Oh, like people don't know what Queen's Park is yet. Right. Like we now have to establish our own identity." And you know, I wish it, wish we'd had a chance to, you know, open when we had planned on to really open Queen's Park and then do Miracle and then reopen Queen's Park. But we feel like it worked out really, really well for ourselves. It gave us a lot of time for a lot of our newer bartenders to get a chance to get used to being behind the bar and get used to making the different drinks that we were making now and. Um, you know, we originally, we had brought in some people from out of town to help us out during the miracle thing and they were gone. So at that time it was just Laura and I as the acting managers for the entire staff. So, you know, 
for lack of a better term, we were working, you know, 65, 70 hour weeks more. and yeah, sometimes more than that. And, you know, we were just beating our head against the wall. Like, what? why don't we do this to ourselves? Right. You know? Yeah. The, you know, the, the tribulations of entrepreneur, entrepreneurism. Um, <laughs> but you're no stranger to like high volume, right? Uh, you, that's me. Yeah. You, um, you told me a story once, uh, some time ago about St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day, Day uh, <laughs> at another bar that you worked at down there before Queens Park existed. Talk a little bit about that, because that story just is dumbfounding to me. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually, Laura got to experience my final year there. Um, I worked at a place called Dave's Pub, which was it's still open on the uh, on the corner of Twentieth yeah. Street and Twelfth Avenue. It's a great spot. Yeah, it's a great spot. It's just a, a very like uh, you know a, a local divey pub. Wonderful regulars. Uh, the owners are great people, and I worked there for almost twelve years. And as I as I moved up and became a manager and stuff, I really like took on some of the big holidays as being my own. And so I started working with our neighborhood association and made our parade bigger and bigger every year. And really, obviously, kind of focused the end of the parade to end closer to where my bar was. And so we would go, mm. you know, like average average <laughs> week at <laughs> yeah, our average. Uh, Weekend at Dave's Pub was in that like 15 to 20 range, which for that size of a space in Birmingham, Alabama is not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. And, well, not for uh, size and space and also price. Price point. That's the oh, most yeah. important part to note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> price point in Birmingham is considerably lower than New York City. Uh, so I, I, to, to crank that kind of number already sounds to me daunting. And having been there, the size of it, like, come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that's we were, busy. That's busy as fuck. We were we were two dollar highlights, three dollar PBRs, five dollar shots. A lot of times we'd have four dollar shots. I mean, and that was also by design, right? You told me you wanted to be massively competitive. Oh yeah, like we we knew that there was, uh, you know, and, and especially in our area, there's 15 bars that you can go and get a Bud Light and a, a shot of Four Roses at. Like if we're if we're gonna go and we're gonna try and compete with them, we either have to give them a superior experience, which we felt like we were we were obviously still trying to give, but we had to compete price-wise. And so that was a huge piece of the puzzle. So we got together with the rest of the Merchant Association and we set up St. Patrick's Day to be like, the cheapest area in the city to come for the parade. And that was a reason why we were able to really funnel people in from outside of the city of Birmingham. They would come there and not see, you know, I'm gonna get sticker shock, by the the tabs they were getting we're doing four dollar porters of tully we're doing five dollar um irish car bombs we're doing five dollar guinness pours you know and all this kind of stuff and then five dollar guinness on saint patrick's day at the, yeah. at the end of the parade route jesus yeah. Christ, how many yeah. guinness did you sell <laughs> well yeah we, uh, we, we actually had to have a truck outside because of how much guinness we went through the last year i originally ordered 10 kegs and i thought 10 kegs was going to be great and then one of my local one of my buddies who runs a local pub that opened a couple hours before us, they do a, a breakfast. He goes, hey, do you have any Guinness? And they, they run through about 60 kegs, and that's when I knew I would messed up. And so I called <laughs> I called the distributor, and I got them to bring a truck over, and they set a truck up right in the thing. And we ended up going through 26 kegs that day. Did you have to put, like, at, an armed guard in front five of the truck bucks. to keep the mob out of it? <laughs> yeah. Greg, we're talking five bucks. That's insane. Oh, yeah. I know. Can you, can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, so we uh, yeah, that's tax inclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's inclusive of the tax. But yeah, we uh, you know, it was it was one of those things where we opened up where we had live music starting at ten o'clock in the morning. So there's a guy, in with bagpipes playing bagpipes inside of my bar that's maybe um, eight hundred square feet in the main part where the music was. Definitely not acoustically designed for full volume bagpipe. <laughs> bagpipe. So the yeah. night, the, no room the, is acoustically designed for bagpipes. Oh yeah, the, the, the day started off just just you know. Obviously, go in that direction, and there was. We walked up, and there was like forty people waiting on the patio for us to open the. I'd gone and gotten us like donuts because I was like, "Okay, ten a.m. I've never done a bar shift like this. Like, we'll have a breakfast together." And it's like, no time to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We're just like throwing stuff together at like three in the afternoon. You look over, and those donuts are just buried in the garbage can because you gave up on them long ago. Covered in green (laughs) dye. Yeah, yeah. But every year, like because of where we were in the parade, the parade would start. And there would be all these stops and all these things where all these dancers were doing these crazy routines and stuff, which is great for the people that were there to view. But we had like a, maybe a 20 minute window where people would go outside to watch the parade that we had to restock everything or we were going to be in deep trouble when they so came back. What were the final numbers for sales the year that I worked here? Uh, we broke year? 60. We so hit right like 62,000. Sixty-two thousand dollars at five bucks a pop. Yeah. <laughs> What's the mo- what was the most expensive thing that you had on the menu? Like, oh, I saw again it's Anatoly. Well, yeah, yeah. Like as far as the special menu, we had a uh, we had a, a five dollar 
um, shot special and a five dollar beer. So that's that was pretty much as far as the things that we were offering specialty. It was that we also did green beer, which is another big thing. Which we were literally taking dye from a straw and putting it into that because I didn't want to burn my lines up and actually dye them green. So we would dye them to order. So the end of the, like halfway through your shift, you're green from like elbow down. So I had to leave at five p.m. because I was working at this fine dining restaurant in the same neighborhood. And so, and they, I told them, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to sit at the bar, but it was a, it was a weekend. So we had the other person open and I was going to come in to basically swing. So I had to be there maybe around like seven. So I left at probably five thirty just to give myself time to like get over there and, you know, straighten myself up. And I'm, I thought I did a pretty good job. I was like in the dish pit, like making sure my face looked okay. And I like step out and I go to meet someone, you know, cause it's super fine dining. Like you're setting with like a, a placemat at the bar and like different different like elements of silverware and stuff and they like look at my hands they're like are you okay and I look down my hands are just like bright green and I can't get it off so for the entire night I have like green glove hands and I'm you know selling people like $200 tasting menus it was really (laughs) interesting if anybody asked were you just like yeah it's 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 Hulk disease yeah yeah Laura Newman classy (laughs) Um, All right, guys we're gonna take a quick break and hear from our sponsors then we're gonna come back and talk more about Queens Park your bar which was born out of Miracle, and then how you're moving on to make Neon Moon. Can't wait to hear about it. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we're back on the speakeasy. We got uh, Larry Mudtownley and Laura Newman in from Birmingham, Alabama, talking about um, well, talking about miracle, talking about the miracle of making sixty-two thousand dollars on five-dollar beers on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Um, and then the birth of Queens Park, which was the goal all along, right? So talk about like I don't know, talk about your concept for Queens Park, and talk about what the bar is all about. Um, I think well, I'm, we worked for the same group for almost eight years yep. in New York, and I would help them open their new concepts. I kind of help, kind of shoot ideas back and forth, and I think that was really helpful for me to think about like what I wanted in a bar. Uh, that being said, I also you know I didn't open a bar in New York because uh, fiscally, that just first of all wasn't an option, and second of all I like to make money, not set it on fire for fun. So <laughs> no offense. No, uh, no, 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 I can't believe me. I hear you. So we, you know, I wanted you want to, to make a million dollars on a bar in New York City. Start with two million dollars. Start with million. two million dollars. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Start with lots of millions of dollars. But I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of learned what I wanted. I learned what worked well because I think the best thing with a bar, right? Like to open a successful bar, it's not just what you want, and it's not just what's going to make you the most money. You have to find a, a spot kind of in the middle. So it was cool to spend many years in New York, seeing how other places did it, and seeing like, okay, what do I want to do? So. I wanted to do something that focused on classic cocktails. Um, it was I'd spoken to a lot of friends who owned bars in markets that were a little smaller than, say, New York, LA, Chicago, and they said that that was a kind of a kind of a slam dunk of a concept if no one else had done it yet. Just to have a bar that was like, we don't really have house drinks, we just have classic drinks, because um, you kind of already have all this stuff. Even though it is a lot of work researching, we don't put like really well known classics on our menu, but. 
I wanted to do something that focused on that, kind of like alluded to like the grandeur of like the golden era of cocktails. So our bar is named after the Queen's Park Hotel, which was in Trinidad, opened in the late 1800s. And then something that was like a beautiful space because that was my favorite part of working for Robbie was creating these spaces that were like really immersive and transportive and took you somewhere else. Yeah, which is which is definitely what what he does, um, and having seen only photos, I haven't been to Queens Park myself yet, but uh, I, I sense that that's the deal there as well. Um, so you get through Miracle, which was a miracle yes. in more ways than one. <laughs> you get the place open, day one. You're sitting around because it's crickets, and then you have to decide. Okay, now people people know what we are. Right. We're super popular. We've had thousands of guests, and no one knows who we are. Well, yeah, because you were like, not you, you were not yourself. Well, people were like, yeah, you were, you're, you're, you're your like whole bar was down. in masquerade for yeah, for, for exactly. two months or whatever. So it was. I think a big part of it was uh, really focusing on our social media. I was really inspired by yours actually, and focusing on kind of conveying who we were in a way that people could really easily access and be like, oh, okay, cool. Like these, I'm really intrigued by these pictures and like what the content they're producing. Like I want to go see what they're doing. So. I wouldn't say it's crazy, but I mean, we've in a in a year we have almost ten thousand followers now for a for a bar in, in Birmingham, Alabama. I feel like that's pretty good. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Well, um, we were. Oh, sorry. Just, go ahead. Oh no, and it's just it's you know it's like something that I don't I'm not good at at all, and I have like no friends on Instagram or Facebook, <laughs> but it's just I do it for Queens Park, and somehow it works. Well, we were we were talking uh, over lunch about how hard it is to to get press down in Alabama, which kind of. You know, surprise me. I would have, I would have, you, you were like, it's so easy to get press in New York and it's so hard to get it in Birmingham. And I would have thought it was the opposite. Like here, you know, there's a million other people who are like trying to play your game, but you guys said you're kind of the, you know, the, the you were the only miracle pop-up in, in Alabama. I would have thought that would netted you guys a lot of ink. Um, I think, uh, you know, other places have gotten more like national awards, like the Atomic, one of our neighbors just got their uh, third James Beard nomination today, which is awesome for best uh, cocktail program. Nice. We're really happy for them. Um, I don't know why. I mean, it's just, I think maybe people kind of like, this is like a one bar town or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you'll see like, you know, national cocktail online publications that are like, we asked the 10 best bartenders in America to make us their version of a grasshopper. And each of those bartenders is in like New York, LA and Chicago. Mm. True. Yep, that happens. It's. Yeah. It, I don't think you notice it when you live in a big city. I certainly didn't. But I definitely now when I see different things, I'll be like, oh, every single person in this article, except for you, John, in like paragraph three, you're all from cities with over, you know, four million people. Cool. Right. Which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it is, speak to your point, uh, it can be a little frustrating in a smaller market. But it sounds like you're doing okay. I yeah, mean, we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing okay enough to say to yourself, we've got this classic cocktail bar with our marble bar top and our exquisite woodwork, and we're making beautiful drinks and Instagramming and doing well, and now we're just over a year old and we're about to open number yeah. two. No, I mean, it's, yeah, if, uh, I think... And that's a lot to do with economics again, I'm sure, right? Uh, it's, it's, you know, we did... it's just easier yes. money-wise to open down there. Not necessarily permit, et cetera-wise. We talked over lunch how you're having a lot of troubles with that. If I'd wanted to open a bar for press, I would have opened it in New York. But I think overall, I'm much happier doing it in Alabama. So that's a, it's a trade I'm happy to make. But yeah, we are doing very well at Queens Park. So we um, paid everything off. And we're like, let's open a second bar. And Queens Park is your baby. So Queens Park is a little more me- my vision. Although Mud is the general manager and isn't you know runs the ship. Uh, I think in terms of opening it and the He's vision the for the concept. He's the guy who's going to divert parades to come by. He will divert parades. <laughs> um, but in terms of having a vision for the concept, yes, it was kind of like my my vision. And so uh, we were like, all right, it's time to open Mud's vision. So now it's like I get to like work for him. And it's like, okay, cool. Like I'm designing because we do everything ourselves. So like I do all the interior design, the lighting design. Like I work with the general contractor. Um, and so it's been cool to be like, all right, babe, like what do you want? Right. And what do you want? Talk about Neon Moon. So for sell, me, that, sell me that fucking thing. Let's, let's so, do it. So for me, you know, Neon Moon is is going to be like a, a little bit more of a representation of like me personally. Whereas, you know, I've worked in dive bars and I've worked in nightclubs and I've worked in so many places that are more like upbeat and fun. Like I feel like on our side of town, we have so many great cocktail destinations. Like she mentioned the Atomic earlier and there's a couple other great, really great cocktail bars over there that are kind of nestled and everybody kind of considers our section of the city is like a really strong cocktail destination 
Whereas on our side of the city, we don't have really a place that's industry focused, that's more a little bit lower brow, that's a place to go and get a beer and chat after work, a place to go grab a, a good quick bite to eat, uh, a place to go sing karaoke on a Tuesday, you know, things of that nature. We really want to um, bring that to that side of the city. Like we, uh, we've, we've been working on getting a, a light up dance floor and we've got all these like crazy cool setups for what the bar is gonna look like. Uh, we've been working on the drink program. We really feel like uh, in the last few years in a lot of other cities, we've seen lots of takes on 70s and 80s drinks and bringing those back and making those more modernized and putting a, a more modern touch on those. So um, one of our house drinks is gonna be a Miami Vice. Like that drink is just like such a fun drink to me to have you know, the, the strawberry daiquiri and the pina colada, like always ready, always on deck for somebody to drop. Even right, if frozen, and you, you you blend them together in the glass, and that's the Miami Vice, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like red, white, red, white. I mean, it's just such a, a pretty aesthetically pleasing cocktail. Similarly to Queens Park, like, there was a several, several reasons why we chose Queens Park as our first concept, but the idea of having that house drink and having it be so iconically looking different from most people of the drinks they were making in Birmingham at the time like we really like at, the, at so far we haven't seen anyone else even try to like mirror what we've done with the Queens Park Swizzle and you know we feel like a Miami Vice is another thing that can, that can be another staple for us individually but just elaborating on that because I do beverage for Queens Park and we'll do for Neon I think something that people are always like oh my god you guys like are engaged and you also like run bars together like that's horrible like when do you do anything else <laughs> right, right right Mud Partner, and I do, partners and partners yeah but I think Mud and I are really successful because we both do really separate things like we can still we can both like technically be at work together all day and at the end of the day we'll come home and be like so what'd you do today like I didn't really like what did you do talk to me about it because we don't really know so I focus more on beverage although I'm like Mud is like, and this is also for like competitions I've done and stuff, like Mud is like the one who <laughs> tastes everything. But I, we want to do something that's like like 70s, 80s, 90s, even like early 2000s, like club drinks, but you know, like kind of like cocktailize them a little bit. So like Wisconsin Old Fashioned, like a mud slide, like an amaretto sour. The mud slide. Like a woo-woo. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you got to have a woo-woo. Come on. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> um... And you've already located. You've already got the space. You're working on. You're yeah. building it out. It's around the corner from Queens. Oh, it's like literally around the corner. So again, you're okay. modeling yourself after everything we do here in New York. Just if you're gonna do a second <laughs> one, do it right around the corner, mm-hmm. um, so you can be there too. Mm-hmm. That this, this means you, you're, you're suddenly now you're working at both on the same night. Um, how how literally how close? Uh, maybe a hundred feet. Oh wow! Yeah, perfect. Uh, can you commissary in, in Alabama? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, you can. So you so, can. This one, and Neon Moon is going to have a walk-in refrigerator, which we don't have at Queens Park, and it's very frustrating. Right. It'll have a lot more kitchen space, so we are going to move our prep operations to one and commissary there, and then amazing bring stuff over. Yeah, that's going to that's going to relieve a lot of stress and also cut down on some costs as well. Yes, that's pretty fantastic. Can't really do that here. Um, so you've got the space. Uh, what's the timeline? I know you. you we, we talked over lunch. You're, you're having some trouble with some permitting. Well, you know, um, I've been telling people. Uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but June's like the, a very realistic date at this point. Um, we've kind of like gotten over some of the hurdles that we had seen earlier with permitting and um, kind of moving forward with the the city and the county that we're in, Jefferson County and Birmingham. And uh, I feel like June's a very tangible date. So, and we're also the two of us are getting married in August. So, uh, if we don't get this done before then, we're, uh, we'll feel like we have not, uh, kind of failed ourselves, to say the least. <laughs> Uh, come on. Uh, you know, there's so many hurdles that get in the way that, you, that are unforeseen, especially stuff like you were talking to me about, about what's going on with the with the county down there in general, that they're just woefully understaffed on on the people who come in and sign off on the permits that you just you're it's a waiting game. You said you waited 62 days to get the permits signed off on Queens Park. Uh, and then you're in you're in that mix right now waiting, right? Yeah, I mean, we're not even as far as we were when we had to wait for Queens Park because we were planning on doing food at Neon Moon we've hit some hurdles early on that we didn't even foresee for what happened with Queens Park. But we know a lot more about the process now. We know a lot more about how, what we need to do and who we need to talk to to make sure that we get appointments set up way far in advance. So we were set up to not have to have that wait this time. But I feel really bad for the other 117 businesses that are opening up in the county in this year that have already set forth with plans because a lot of them are people that are just now getting into the business or coming here from other markets and 
I don't think they quite know what they're about to get into with the, right. the city. 100, 117 bar and, res, bar and restaurants. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, just in Jefferson County, which is... But I mean, just bars and restaurants. We're not talking about shoe stores. No, these are places that would have to be um, inspected by the, by, the, uh, by the health inspector. So they would have to have... At the very minimum, an ice machine. Yeah, right. an ice machine saying, saying they serve beverage out of it, which right. would not include offices because offices are outside of that inspection area as well. Right. Is this is this something that's happening a lot of... I. <clears throat> I don't really like the phrase like, you know, tertiary markets, but like outside of okay. like, you know, the big, thank you. Thank you. But you know, we were talking earlier about how a lot of 90% of the press of what happens in our industry is like, you know, like New York, LA, Chicago, we're guilty of it too. The fact that we were like, Oh my God, $5 Guinness. That's insane. Like yeah, yeah. 30 minutes ago right. on this show. Right. But is this, is this something that's happening in a lot of other markets or a lot of people looking at places like, Birmingham or like Iowa City or I don't know like San Antonio well, I guess San Antonio is kind of big but like some of these more unexplored markets and being like this is going to give me a chance to do what I can do in New York without the stress of doing it in New York I mean if they're not they should that's what I did <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean I think that the answer is pretty obvious you know, say, you got, 117 you got, of them are at least so, well, yeah, yeah. well so many you know expats from New York have moved down to Nashville specifically you know I'm looking at doing a place in Cleveland like it's the old uh, big fish small pond you know I think the, the notion is that I can go there I can do a thing more economically I can probably make more margin and profit dollars with the same effort that I'm going to put in no matter what I may as well Right. Exactly. Like, we like, also like, like five bars in here in New York. It's like lesson learned. I need to go somewhere where it's easier yeah. <laughs> and the money is the same or better. We also, you know, like we had my like life savings of literally living with my mother for almost 10 years in New York while bartending to like save money to open this bar. And with that money, like it would, it would have been like a drop in a bucket in New York and I would have had to take on like 20 investors. But in Birmingham, we didn't take on any investors. I'm the principal. Great. Same thing for Neon Moon. And it's like. I would just so much rather do that. It's yeah, it's amazing. It, cha- it changes the whole paradigm better. of the thing, right? Um, like you're already into the profitability. You're already, you know, making money enough to reinvest into a new business. Like this, this, this process is much slower here. Um, but Mud, you have, have like both of you have a lot of experience. But Mud, you've got a lot of experience, and you're trying to give some of it back right now, right? Uh, you were telling me a little bit over lunch that you're now saying yes to opportunities to go and speak and talk. What do you? What do you? Where are you going? What are you talking about? And what kind of information are you are you trying to share with people? I think the uh, the big thing for me in the past is that I, I kind of like closed myself off and I really just like went to work every day and tried to better the places that I worked at and the, the people that I was around. But I feel like throughout the years I've I've gotten a lot of information that I've been able to to gain from some of the wonderful people I've been able to interact with. And uh, Laura and I have been asked to speak at uh, three out of the four uh, USBG regional conferences. So that'll be Portland, Ohio, and then Houston now. There are five. It's fine. Houston. <laughs> Houston. Yeah, right. Um, and then we're also going to be at the uh, the bar and nightclub show in Las Vegas. Yeah. John Taffer going to be there? I, I, I so. want to meet that guy. So his, uh, yeah. his manager, I got to talk to him a lot last year. He's so cool. I love his manager. He's the best. <laughs> um, what's, what's the topic you're going to be discussing? So we feel like uh, the biggest thing that Laura and, and I, I did, did... I didn't realize it's both of you. I you. When we talked, you were just saying, I, I just thought it was you. You're both going together. Oh, we're both Oh, that's going, fun. Because yeah. I was going to come around to you because I know you travel around and do a lot of educational stuff mm-hmm. with World Class because you yeah. were the former United States champion, like a badass. Uh, we'll get back to that. <laughs> Always and forever. Always and forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a nightclub and bar, I actually, I spoke last year. And I so remember, this yeah. year I was, um, you know, I, I mentioned that Mud and I have been working on some programming and stuff that we've just been doing in Birmingham. And if that would, was something they'd be interested in, then they were very nice enough to give us a resounding yes. So we'll be going there. We're uh, actually presenting in Houston, and then literally the next day we're presenting at Nightclub and Bar. So Hard turnaround. Yeah. Um, but what's the topic? What are you going to be talking about? You prepared? You got a PowerPoint? You, oh, are yeah. you that guy? Oh, we're ready to go. So I I'm mean, not that guy. I get us, up in front of large crowds with nothing. Not, for us, nothing. For us, so we just basically... Uh, we sat down before we opened up Queens Park and we started talking to each other about all the things that we felt like we'd always wanted from our owners and from managers and stuff that we'd had in the past that we had never been given, i.e. health insurance, um, uh, gym memberships, um, people actually speaking to us about how to um, 
like actually save money and, and be ready for like like future investments and stuff. Like no one had ever really talked to you about that, and especially in bars where I'd worked at in the past, you'd have you'd make all this money and you'd work all these hours, and then you'd get sick and you'd be like, well, now I have to take off work and. I have no insurance. I have to go spend all this money just to go to the doctor, just to go and get a shot that maybe makes me ready to go to work again this weekend. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And half the time there's, there was no one there to pick up my shifts because with my roles that I've had in previous businesses, you know, it's, there's not a lot of people that I ever trained because I was never paid to train anybody. And you know, those are things that we really felt like were very, very important. So as we've kind of catered, the way that we do all of our staff incentives for the people that work for us now, we have built this program to kind of teach other people how they can afford to do it. And if you're an employee, how to talk to someone about hopefully implementing these types of practices. And also what you should expect as an employee and what you deserve. Yeah, I mean, that's important stuff too, right? I think a lot of times people um, people take a job and then they don't realize that they just went through a negotiation but they didn't negotiate. They just said, okay, I'll take it. The job was offered and they just said yes. Instead of, oh yes, I'd love to take this job if X, Y, and Z. And then come back with, no, you get Y and Z. Oh, okay, well maybe we can negotiate X in the future. Okay, we'll talk about that moving on, right? But you just say yes, you take the job and you don't, you don't realize you just did the shortest negotiation ever. And right? I, have, I have so many friends outside the industry and I would talk to them about getting jobs and they'd be like, yeah, I just negotiated for like a month and like I finally got my benefits package so I'm going to sign it and I was... I was like, that's crazy. Like, oh my God. But every person I knew outside of the food and beverage industry would do this. Right. And we were like, why, why is that not standard issue here? And it's, it, it's really frustrating for me now, especially because we implement all this stuff. Like we, we, we have this insane benefits package for our employees. And it's really frustrating to me, for me to see, to look at other places, to look at places I've worked in the past and be like, why didn't I get these things? Like, it's so easy and cheap to do. Like, why would you not why would you not do this? Right. Well, I think it's, you know, it's just being thoughtful and, and having um, gotten to meet most of your staff, you brought them up uh, mm -hmm. for, um, I don't, what, did you, what did you call it? Well, they a get, retreat weekend or something? So one of their benefits is they're guaranteed at least one, this year they're getting at least two, but um, at least one group trip a year. So last year they went to New York. This year we took them on a post-miracle trip to uh, the mountains in Tennessee, and then we're taking them to Chicago later. And then they also each get an individual staff trip. But we took them to New York last March mm -hmm. on their group trip. Right. And that was like educational and cultural, right? Mm -hmm. I remember like you you offered them like, what is it you'd like to do while you're here? Mm -hmm. They gave you a list of bars they wanted to see, restaurants they'd like to try, museums, museums they wanted mm -hmm. to go to. This is incredible. And I think that it's like, you're right. Like when you look at it and, and when someone else is doing it or in hindsight, you say to yourself, man, that was so easy. But if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're constantly in the grind and you're not thinking about it, you're not looking up and seeing that for your own self, like I'm guilty. Like, I feel like I could do more for my teams, but I'm trying to like learn from you guys. I, and we want to teach people you, in Dad. a non, we want to teach people in a non-shamey way, but it's like, you know, it's well, not. Maybe there like, should be a little shame, right? This, but like, I, how could you not, how could you have overlooked this is well, what you should say to people like me. <clears throat> I get. I mean, I guess it's just part, it's just not part of the culture, right? I mean, that's kind of the, it's, 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 I'm super proud that you guys are fighting this uphill or you guys should be very proud that you're fighting this uphill battle because I'm sure that when, you know, you, you initially floated this idea, everyone was like, you're crazy. That's that's never going to work. That's not how this industry is built. You know, it's it's built on squeezing people like lemons until yeah. they don't have any juice anymore. Continuing to squeeze. No, we yeah. um, it it is it it does make me really proud, and I'm excited that other people have expressed interest interest in having us teach these techniques to other business owners slash to other employees as well. So mm -hmm. I think that'll be really cool at Nightclub and Bar. We're just going to kind of go over the numbers, like you know, what steps you would take. So I think that can be overwhelming for people too. Like, how do I get my staff health insurance? I have right. no idea. Like, what do I budget for that? I have no idea. Like, maybe it's a million dollars. I don't know. And it's cool to be like, all right, well, these are like the first five steps you take. This is how much it'll probably cost you. Like, these are like a bunch of pro tips that we have. This is like the company we use. I mean, I mean, you're just you know. demystifying, yeah. right? Because it is, it mm -hmm. is a little bit mystifying, right? You, like you just said, like, if, if, if you have no idea, then it may be fearful to find out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, is it, is it, it could be $5, but it could be $5 million. I, and I don't know. I always guess that something is like $5 million, so I'm like, I'm not even going to look. And right. it's really not that bad. 
But then when it's like only four million, you're like, what a bargain, right? And then what's and, and obviously, uh, I think it's an obvious answer, but I want to ask it anyway. What's the reception from your staff? Like, how do they like this in their lives? Oh, they they're very very receptive. I mean, our our attrition rate is. Just I was about to say you've got great data. You're open just over a year. How many people have left? Uh, people that have made it. People that have made it. So we have a, a 90 day grace period basically huh. before we implement all of our um, insurance and all that kind of stuff, just to make sure that. We give people a chance to make sure that they like what we're doing and we like what they're doing and sure. it's a good fit. And it's all like that kind dating, of you know, like mm-hmm. you want to make sure. And it's like, you know, if at 90 days or even before then, it's like, you know, I'm not really feeling this. It's like it's the same thing you, when you first me. start a relationship. It's like, you know what? Like I'm this, we've been on a few dates. This really isn't doing it for me. Same thing. But for people that have made it past 90 days, uh, I mean, zero. We've, we had... Yeah, past the ninety day point, I don't think we've had anyone. Yeah, we had leave. we've had two people leave prior, like prior right, to right, right at the ninety days or, or a little bit before, and it was just it wasn't working out uh, either way, and uh, everyone past that is just they just loved it. I mean, it's oh, uh, we had one person leave after ninety days, but he left the industry completely. Yeah, so uh, you know things happen, um, but still, your attrition rate attrition rate is ridiculously low. Now, when it comes to opening up uh, Neon Moon. Uh, because of the difference of the program, are you going to move people over? Are people going to cross train? Mm-hmm. They want to. Yeah, yeah like, we're gonna... they want to be like I'm making fancy cocktails one night and I'm slinging beers the next night. I think so. They've they've all expressed interest in at least being trained because I think they all understand the importance of that. Being able to have like lots of coverage. Uh, that being said, I think there's some people that are like maybe more interested at staying at one. Uh, one thing we also are doing though in hiring for Neon Moon for at least prior to opening and then also once it is open is everyone has to be trained at Queens Park. Like, to work at Neon Moon, you have to have at least trained there. So, like, right now we've brought on some people to start at Queens Park that will be moving full-time into Neon Moon. And that's just, again, like, working with you at a place where it was, like, three bars in one, there was no cross-training. It's like, why would you not do this? Like, why would you not have people be able to cover? We do do now, but not not a lot. Mother Pearl Honeybees is a lot of crossover, but Amoria Margo is just its own animal. And, And I understand that there's not, there are always going to be idiosyncrasies and reasons why you can't do it. But yeah. for us, you know, Queens Park is a little more intense. I mean, it's, we have like 60 cocktails on our menu. So, Whoa. yeah. Uh, and our, our well setup is kind of ridiculous. And, but it's like, if you can handle that, you can most definitely handle slinging, you know, $5 Guinness on, <laughs> on, on St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. Day. Yeah. 12,000 of them. Um, so wait, we're coming to, to the end of the show, but then you just said something that really lit me up. Sixty cocktails. So you're handing the guest a book when they walk in the door. What does this look like? What's yeah, the menu look like? Yeah, it's like a bound book. Um, and our first page is house drinks because we we found that that's what people are interested in. We only have like six house drinks, and I find that I I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head for you, but the, a, a large majority of our drinks that are ordered come from that. On the weekends, even we take away the books. We'll still have them to give to people if they want to ask, if they're if they're interested in seeing the whole book. But we actually have just a one sheeter, and you you're the one that inspired me to do that. Mm-hmm. So on weekends it's ten drinks, and then a, like our three best selling beers, like two of our wines. Here you go. But during the week, they'll get a bound book. First page is actually a letter that we wrote to our guests. It's like, hey, like we're Laura and Mud. We like fell in love and opened this bar. Or you know, this bar is a love letter to Birmingham. We hope you enjoy it as much as we love it. And then house drinks, and then it's 45 classic cocktails, five large format, five NA, which is really important to me because I don't drink very much. So I wanted, that wasn't very common in Birmingham to have an actual menu for that. And I think it's not even common in the rest of the country. So know, it's yeah. cool to have like five trending, really... Trending, but I don't think it's still common. Yeah, but it's, it's, it is more, more common, which is nice for me. But to have five like really thoughtful, like I would pay more than you're charging me for this drinks. Um, and then, right, large format, NA... How much, uh, so you say you have 45, a list of 45 classics, mm-hmm. so like, I get it. In my mind, I, I see a, a list, old-fashioned Manhattan daiquiri, but like, in the guest's mind, you have to have some words there yes. to tell them what that is. How much, yes. I guess what I'm asking is like, when you hand someone a book, how much reading happens before they make that order? We've designed the menu, or I designed the menu, because I didn't, we couldn't afford a graphic designer, so I had to learn how to do that. <laughs> I started doing it a little for Robbie, but I really got deep mm-hmm. into it when we opened Queens Park. Um, it's... You can read it, like you can re- you can skim it and pick a drink, or you can get way more into it. So if you're just skimming it, it literally has like a one sentence description of the drink. It might be like tastes like bacon and an old fashioned had a baby. Like that's a Benton's old fashioned created by Don Lee at PDT in 2007. Like you know, and then and it will have that information at the very bottom. It'll be like the bartender who made it. If we have that, the first book it was published in. If we don't have the bartender's name, the date, 
Um, it'll have the ingredients. It'll list like the glassware and like whether it's like stirred and boozy or if it's like shaken and like served on crushed ice, like that information is there. But really, if you if you're just trying to pick a drink, it's pretty easy to just see the cocktail name and literally like one line like yep. that's very descriptive about what it tastes like. Got it. Amazing. Yeah, because that's always my fear. I fear that I'm going to slow down the chain of revenue if I give someone a book to read. We've only found that that was an issue really on Friday and Saturday during our like peak, maybe seven or eight hours. And that's why we do the one cheater. You pulled it out. That's really super smart. You but know they still have it too. If they And we have plenty of guests that do request the full book. Um, we also have a rewards program for our regulars where we only change the classics once a year. So we have a little punch card and each time they drink a classic off the menu, they get a little stamp put in on each one. And if and they fill 10, them, they get a free coffee. If they fill the whole thing, <laughs> they get to be on the hotel registry. And so they get like their name on a plaque on the wall. They get access to like a free uh, class that we put on every quarter for our like hotel registry guests. Nice. They get to skip the line during Miracle. They get like this whole benefits Whoa, package. Skip yeah. the line during Miracle. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a goal. The, that's the that's the draw right that's, there. That's yeah, that alone. <laughs> but it's a cool way to reward. We have incredible regulars, and we wanted to, you know, give them give them like a tangible benefit to coming in a lot. Man, amazing. So much stuff that I'd like to keep talking about, but we're here at the end of the show. So let's wrap it up by saying Queens Park is where in Birmingham, Alabama? We're located at 112 24th Street North, between 1st and 2nd Avenues North in Birmingham, Alabama. Right on. And about 100 yards away is going to soon be Neon Moon, uh, hopefully in June. That's the target. And if anybody want to get in touch with you to talk to you more about Queens Park or insurance or whatever, how do they find you? I think the best way to reach me would be um, either online at Queens Park Beeham or at Laura Falls Down. Or if you really want to get get intense and deep, we have a form on our website or you can email us at info at queensparkbeeham.com. Right on. And then your Instagram handle is? Laura Falls Down. No, but it's oh, Queens Park. Queens Park Beeham. Yeah, well, <laughs> Laura Falls Down is you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Queens Park Beeham, right? Beeham. Uh, cool guys really great to have you on the show so glad you were in town and, and, and on a Wednesday so we could sit down and do this live um, uh, and I can't wait to come down and visit both bars uh, although I'm not going to make it a point to wait if I have an opportunity to come to New Orleans uh, to, I was to about Birmingham. to say come on like, if I have an opportunity to come, come to Birmingham before before Neon Moon opens up I'm going to get down there But and I am overdue frankly Birmingham if you're listening figure out some ways to get me down there and I'll be I'll be right there well, let's figure it out now come come teach a class come do a thing come, okay. you, can, you can guess bartender bar without knowing any of the 60 drinks I probably don't, so that's fine. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being in the studio with us today uh, on the Speakeasy, and uh, we look forward to uh, having you uh, uh, coming down and seeing both the bars. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.